Zimmer preached getting the edge back, getting yeah. the mental focus back. Yeah. And what I seen is I seen us being proactive in the game other than reactive. Let's take the fight to them. Not let's not sit and wait on Philly to do something. Let us do it and create what we've done here the last four years. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back. It's another episode of Skull Stories. I'm your host, Mike Wabshaw, coming to you from TCO Studios inside the TCO Performance Center in Egan. Excited for tonight's show. We have a current member of the Vikings coaching staff as the guest tonight on Skull Stories. It's Vikings defensive backs coach Jerry Gray. But first, how about your Minnesota Vikings? Big time win in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial Field last weekend, 23 to 21, a dominant first half. Then the Vikings take the Eagles' best punch in the second half, still find a way to come out on top. Another NFC game on the horizon with the Arizona Cardinals coming to U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday. We have a while to wait until that game, but not a while to wait for tonight's guest. Jerry Gray, 24 seasons in the NFL. He's had five coaching seasons with the Vikings. 22 as a coach. He's played not he was a 9-year player in the National Football League as well. A star at the University of Texas. Now imparting his wisdom and experience on a very talented group of Vikings defensive backs. No surprise that those guys play as well as they do, especially since 2014 when DB guru Mike Zimmer came to Minnesota and brought Jerry Gray with him to help coach the defensive backs. I always enjoy chats with Jerry Gray, one of the most well-respected DB's coaches in the National Football League. He took some time on Tuesday of this week to chat with us, and we want to share it with you right now. Well, we catch Jerry at a, at a good time because the Vikings won. And the University of Texas won a big game last weekend. <laughs> and you, Mr. Gray, being an alum and a former great Longhorn, had to really, really like what you saw in that Texas-Oklahoma game. Yeah, you know, I got a chance to watch uh, Coach Herman come in, and, you know, he lost a tough game early in the year against uh, Maryland. And, you know, I, the thing that I, I like what they did is they kept fighting towards the end. Mm-hmm. And then now they've won, I think, four or five games in a row. But they won against TCU, good football team, yeah. beat Oklahoma, good football team. And these teams all rank. So th- that tells me the young guys that, that he got from the other head coach, he's learning how to teach them how to win yeah. other than how to lose football games. And, and that's what you have to do. I mean, your, your, your program has to start somewhere, and I see that in, in, in Coach Herman. You know, for Coach Herman, who um – is the head coach of the Texas Longhorns. And I know that he's been at other big schools before, but not maybe not really as the head coach. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like this is a storied program. Yeah. You know, like the expectations are high yeah. at the University of Texas. And Jerry, you know that as well as anyone. You were a two-time All-American there. You know, you, well, were, you played at a high level there. So you, you know this. Well, that, that's the thing. You know, when you come in, you're expected to win. Yeah. And, 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 and I think Coach Herman has those guys understanding that. You know, when, when I was at Texas, you know, you could put a Longhorn hat on and you walk out there and you had a you had a, a mental edge over guys yeah. because you were playing at Texas. But if you start losing, the mental edge goes away. And now you have to work your way back yeah. up to that mental edge. And I think I, I see that in Coach Herman getting a chance to go back out there. You know, when you walk out on the football field, you have an edge. Now you got to prove that you're the best team. And I see him doing that right now. 
you know, college football, you know, here in, in Minnesota and um, in the heartland, you know, uh, people are prideful about the Big Ten and, and especially people who went to went to the University of Minnesota. They mm-hmm. love gopher football. But um, there, there's nothing like college football down in the south. Right. Like, it's, <laughs> I mean, those people down there, they um, they love the NFL, too. Yeah. But college football is a big deal. down there. Well, I mean, to me, whenever you look at it, college football is what a lot of te- people have. You know, you look in the, at the SEC, they don't really have NFL teams in their cities. Mm-hmm. You know, Vanderbilt do, yeah. does. Uh, University of Alabama is the only place there. You know, you you look at a lot of teams that are like that. Yeah. Texas, guess what? You're in Austin. That's it. That's all you got. Yeah. So so your team is that quote-unquote NFL team. And, and with the expectations of what the Darrell Rawls and all those guys did before we got there, yeah. now all of a sudden – Coach Herman takes over the program, and they expect for you to be like Darrell Rawl. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- they want to win. And and, yeah. and that's the thing that, that a lot of people tend to forget is that, that, that they look at it and say, man, he didn't have a lot of time there. Well, the expectation is so high, you don't get a lot of time until you start yeah. winning. So you were there 81-84? Um, 81-84. Yeah, right? Okay. Um, Texas all-time team, the 80s all-decade team, all that. What do you remember, though, about your career there? Any games or any opponents or any teammates that really stand out? Well, you know, when I first got to Texas, um, you know, they recruited me. I played quarterback in high school, so they recruited me to play defensive back. I got there. I was, uh, you know, you got to go through like everyone else. I was a freshman playing on the scout team. I was a freshman playing on kickoff. Mm -hmm. I didn't get red-shirted. So, you know, I had to go through all the mental things that all the other guys got a chance to go through. Yeah. And I was behind uh, William Graham, who's a starting senior. And, you know, that team was loaded with guys. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a freshman and Kenneth Sims happened to be the first player in the NFL draft going. Wow. So yeah. so just think in 1981, I'm on the same field as the guy that's going to get drafted in the first the first pick in the NFL draft. Wow. So, so you look at that and then all the other guys that got drafted with him in that same year. Yep. And, and and you and you start taking it kind of for granted, but you understood that these guys were good. And then my sophomore year, I, I uh, stretched ligaments in my knee, and I was going to have a chance to start, and I didn't start. And then probably halfway through the season, I got a chance to start. And really my junior year is what I thought was my most productive. But but I understood, like Fred, Fred Akers, who's a head coach at the time, he would bring a guy in in the spring and talk to us about the mental part of the game. Mm-hmm. And, and no one had ever talked to me about that, you know. And Lou Tice, he's passed away now, but, but Lou Tice would talk to us about visualizing yourself making plays before you actually make them. And, and I actually took that to heart, and I started understanding what it meant. So I could actually watch film and see myself make a play even though I'm watching someone else. Yeah. So when that play came up, I'd already made that play in my mind before I even got there. And that was really the, the, the impact of my season because that year I made All-American and had never started the year before. The next year I made All-American. And, and it really – I didn't do anything any different. I used my mind to make a lot more plays mm-hmm. than I ever had done. Yeah. You know, you, you go on to, um, you know, to be drafted in the NFL and, and had a good career playing in, in, the, in the National Football League. Your draft class was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we had some good guys. I got some names here. Do you remember? Do you remember any of them? <laughs> I, well, I know the first player taken was Bruce Smith. Bruce so. Smith, he's pretty good. Uh, yeah, Jerry Rice. Jerry is Rice there. is pretty good. Yeah. Yep. I got one more, and he's a former Viking. Um, 
Oh, Dolman. That's right. Yeah, Chris Dolman, yeah. Jerry Gray. You, you had a pretty good draft class. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny is that I go back and I look, and, and I, I was on the All-American teams. Mm-hmm. So my junior year All-American team, it was those guys that was on the junior year. I, I went back and looked. Every one of those guys were all pro in the NFL. Mm. Steve Young and, and, and Jay Novacek and all those guys oh, wow, in the junior yeah. year. Mike Rozier. So all those guys was there. Bruce Smith was, of course, there my junior and senior year. And just like you said, Jerry Rice was there. You know, you look back and you see these good football players and you think, you know, that they most most first rounders really don't get to the height of expectation. Yeah, right. So it goes to show you what the college program put in those guys to get here. Mm-hmm. Because we expect for you to do great things when you get to the NFL. More with Jerry Gray coming up in a minute, but first join host Mike Musman along with David Morgan at Buffalo Wild Wings in Chanhassen on Thursday at 5.30 p.m. for a live broadcast of Vikings Country. You could win some great prizes, including tickets in the Miller Lite Lounge at U.S. Bank Stadium. Visit vikings.com slash vikingscountry for more info and a full schedule. Also, come out this Saturday at the new Vikings Museum and get autographs from Vikings Hall of Famers Paul Krause and Randall McDaniel. Learn more at vikings.com slash museum. And hear more from Jerry Gray after this break. Hey everyone, it's Wabi back with more Skull Stories and tonight's guest, Jerry Gray. We'll get to that in a minute, but first experience what it is like to be a Minnesota Viking as you conquer the TCO Vikings 5K. Join us Saturday, October 20th as you and your friends finish on the 50-yard line at TCO Stadium. Space is limited. Register today at vikings.com slash 5K. Here's more from Vikings DB's coach Jerry Gray on Skull Stories. I went through your accolades in college, and you're you're a four-time Pro Bowler. You had 28 picks, you know. But not every player who was a really good player is good at coaching, or or chooses to also become a coach. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what was the difference for you? Do you think because now you're a longtime NFL coach as well? Well, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do was really when I was in college, uh, I, I inherited a young secondary my senior year. Because there was 22 guys got drafted off my junior year's team. Okay. So it was only me and a starting defensive tackle left. And so there was nine young guys about to play. Okay. And, and, we, and you know, you, you start teaching these guys on what you're trying to get done. And, and we didn't get back to the level that we, we had been, but those guys eventually got back there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I looked at my career, and then my, even when I got to the Rams, I was around Johnny Johnson and Nolan Cromwell and those guys. Well, they eventually retired, and by my sixth year, I'm one of the oldest guys on the, on the, in the secondary. Yeah. So I'm teaching young guys again. So that was really a, a natural progression for me. I, I would teach young guys how to do stuff, and right now that's kind of what I do. I, I teach the young guys about, you know, football. How, mm-hmm. how do you learn football? How do you play football? What's the expectation of you playing football? You know, what about off the football field? You know, what are you going to do? You know, so we're always talking about those things, about not just X and O's, but about life when you leave the game. Mm-hmm. What do you plan on doing? What's your intentions? And, and, and you have to have some type of goal to get here, and money can't be that, that one. Yeah. You'll screw it up if it's just money. Yeah, and, and I'm sure that, and I remember talking to former Vikings wide receivers coach George Stewart about this too, and Andre Patterson talks about this, is you have to know the guys in your room, Yep. right? Because they're not, they all play the same position, 
but they're not the same guy. No, they don't learn the same. It's like <laughs> no. kids. It's like our kids, right? Yes, they, yes. they're not. They're not wired the same. That's and it. So you can't coach them the same, right? No, I mean to me, there is no cookie cutter player in the NFL. Yeah, you know, I have to go to meet a guy on his level of learn expectations, and I got to bring him up. And like you said, I mean. Uh, y- y- Terrence Newman was in my room, and he's a 14-year guy, 15-year guy. I knew Terrence got it. So when I put it on the board, he got it. I didn't have to worry about him. Well, I got rookies. I got Mike Hughes. I got Houghton Hill. Those guys, they don't know how to study. They don't know what to look for. Where's the tendencies? Where's the tips? So you have to teach on that level. And I know sometimes it slows down for Harrison and Sandejo, but – they know that I have to catch these guys up to them mm-hmm. in order to get back to that great secondary we had. Yeah, and um, and part of it too is you're you're trying to create a culture in that room. Yep. You know because as as the coach or the the dad, right? You. Yep. There are certain messages that are just better heard from another player yeah. than from a coach, right? Yeah. And so well, you have to create that culture too. Well, you do. I mean, and that's the thing that that a lot of people don't understand is that a coach is like a dad. Sometimes if you holler all the time, guess what? They kind of start tuning you out. Yeah. So that that ex player who has been in the room with the guy, he knows who he is. He can pull him aside. He may be a little bit more stern with him because he knows that I went through what you already been going through, what you're going through now. So I'm I. I'm sympathetic with you, but I also expect this out of you. Uh-huh. And I think that's the thing. You know, you get that edge when you were an ex-player, but the thing is you have to – these guys, and doesn't matter who you coach, high school, college, they all want to be good. Yeah. And it's your job is to make sure that those guys are good. And if they're doing a good job, they'll come back. If they're not doing a good job, they'll go the other way. You know, I would imagine that um, you're seeing that still out of Terrence just as a coach. Like, yep. you know, he was a guy who wanted to be a good player. I bet he wants to be a good coach, too. How's it going? Yeah, he does. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, Terrence and I sit down, and like I said, now we're, we're having conversations from coach to coach yeah. that we used to have coach to player. And and he talked like a coach when he was a player. Mm-hmm. And I understood that. And, and I know that he's looking at things that we look at as coaches. And so now he's going through, oh, Jerry, what about this split here? What about that guy there? Look, look at his footwork here. Look at his stance. That's what good football players do, and that's generally what good coaches do. Now the biggest thing that I talk to Terrence a lot about is that every guy's individual, just like you just said, and you have to meet him on his level. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes good football players think everybody thinks like them. And they really don't. You know, you have to meet a guy on his level of, of learning and, and knowledge and then teach him how to do that. Yeah. I want to get into, um, you know, this is such a relationship business, the mm-hmm. NFL, with especially with coaches. You've yeah. got to be not you, not just good coaches, but, but guys you trust. Mm-hmm. So t- tell me about how it started with you and Mike Zimmer. You know, obviously he trusts you quite a bit. Did you guys have a relationship before you came to Minnesota? <laughs> no. That, okay. that, that's what's funny is that uh, I never I never met Coach Zimmer personally, mm-hmm. I knew him. I knew his career because I, mean, I grew up in Texas. So you know who wouldn't know Coach Zimmer and the Dallas Cowboys? So okay. so I knew Coach Zimmer there, and I knew that you know all my family Cowboy fans. And so even you know they talk about coaches from Tom Landry all the way down. So mm-hmm. so I knew Coach, and then when I left uh, Tennessee. I uh, was at the Senior Bowl, and I got a chance to meet Rick for the first time. Okay. And then Rick and I kind of talked a little bit about his brother because I played with the Rams when his brother was at Detroit. Oh, okay. So we were we were all pros together. So I kind of knew his brother, but I, didn't, I never met Rick. So uh, I got an interview, and I talked with Coach Zimmer and Rick. And, um, you know, we just kind of talked about my philosophy and, you know, what do I like to do. And basically I told him, hey, look, I'm a chain of command guy. 
You know, yeah. if you're the head coach and you want it done this way, I'll get it done that way. You know, I want to go to the coordinator and make sure the coordinator understands that this is how we're going to do it. So I'm going to go through the coordinator and he can go through you. Because I like chain of command because that keeps everything else in order. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, we kind of hit it off that way. You know, yeah. and when I left out the room, you know, he gave me a call back and said, hey, the job is yours if you want it. And then, you know, we kind of went through some stuff. Hey, Jerry, I like it done this way. I like it done this way. So yeah. I'm always picking Coach Zimmer's brain on what is he like. And then sometimes you got to figure it out. You know, and that's kind of where we we are right now. We've got to a point to where he does trust me to do things. But but I'm always constantly talking, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about the clusters? How do you want to do these things? Yeah, and yeah. not leave him out because to me, a lot of times when you've coached that position, that's still your baby no yeah, matter which, what. Which is the case with coach, right? Yeah, it, yeah. it's always like that. I mean, yeah. I, I've, I've been fortunate enough that this is not my first time doing it. I was around Pete Carroll, who's ex-DB coach. Mm, okay. I was around Jeff Fisher, who's ex-DB coach. Yeah. So I've been around head coaches that have been ex-DB coaches, ex-players, and that's kind of helped me out a lot to understand that yeah. I know how controlling they are, but they want to trust you more, they give you more. Yeah, and you've been a defensive coordinator, I mean, with Buffalo and Tennessee, you know, so you have experience with that as well. So it's interesting to hear you talk talk about you know the chain of command and how the relationships work best I mean Mm -hmm. Zim's been a coordinator and you've been a coordinator so you're very familiar with with that whole relationship assistant coach coordinator and head coach yeah because to me I think you know once the head coach he puts down an order the coordinators take the order and they give it to the assistants it's the hardest thing in the world to do is for an assistant coach to bypass a coordinator and get some information that the coordinator may not know yeah, or may not clearly understand. And then all of a sudden, if it doesn't look right on the field, you're like, well, what, what went on? And all, it was all communication. And those are little things that, that I'm, I value more than anything. If we're on the same page, I think nine out of ten times you have a chance to win the game. Mm-hmm. But, but, but if you're not on the same page and that's a miscommunication here or there, it will cost you in a football game. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've been here since 14, so mm-hmm. obviously you like it enough to stay here. But uh, what, what do you think about Minnesota? How do you like living and, and working here during the season? Oh, to me, I, I think it's a great place. You know, I got a chance to, you know, again, I, I played against Minnesota, yeah. and I never came to the city. You know, once we're in the city, you're really just in the hotel, you go play. Yeah. But I played at Minnesota. I played against Carl Lee and all those guys. And, you know, the thing that, that I love about it, I knew the tradition here. Mm-hmm. And, and then when I got a chance to join the staff, I see all the old guys that I, I, you know, they pictures on the wall. So I knew those guys, and I knew that – it's not a lot of teams keep traditional guys around and always come back alumni. So I really like that part about the Minnesota Vikings. And then, you know, the ownership is probably one of the best I've been around in the league. You know, I'm not just saying it because I'm here, but but I've been in a lot of different teams and ownership – is 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 hands on. You know, they they always around. They 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 know your name. A lot of people don't. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing that you, that you work for them. You write a check, but you don't know the guy's name you, you're working for. So our ownership knows us. You know, th- th- we know that they're trying to build the best product in the NFL, in which we are here now. And even our stadium is one of the best in the league. So yeah. to me, I think when when you find ownerships that's trying to do their part. It makes you work hard to do your part. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and here we sit at, at TCO Studios, too, which is in the middle of TCO Performance Center, you know, which is a, kind of another example of, of the Vikings trying to be a best-in-class organization, which starts at the top. Yeah, you know? and it does. I mean, every, to me, if you, if you want to be a great business, and it doesn't matter what business it is, this top down is the way it works. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't work bottom up. <laughs> it never yeah. does. And, and I, I've read, I'm old enough to read a lot of books about business and stuff like that. And, and when you see that it's working, you know the top is 
top down is working. You know, and and and, and I know that the, the, the Wills family has worked to get it here, mm-hmm. and they know how it should look. So to me, I think that, that you know they told us their story during training camp a couple of years ago, and I was amazed about how they family have accomplished stuff, yeah. and and that tell me they work to get what they deserve, mm-hmm. and, and that's what you generally do. Yeah, I wanted to uh, to keep this chat really about about you generally, mm-hmm. but I I'd be remiss not to ask you just one question about the team. Mm-hmm. You guys looked really good last week in Philadelphia. I'm sure you guys came back to the building and, you know, it was maybe a sigh of relief um, and, and a lot of fun to go there and win. And now you're looking forward to next week. So congrats on the win. Um, and, and I'm sure there were some things that you really uh, felt positive about coming out of Philadelphia. Yeah, you know, the thing that, that, I, that I thought we, we worked last week on was an edge. You know, mm-hmm. Coach Zimmer preached getting the edge back, getting yeah. the mental focus back, not chasing things that have, that have been in the past. And I, and I, I kind of see our team take a step in that direction. I, I watched this on TV a little bit after the game, and then I got a chance to go back and watch the film again. Yeah. And what I've seen is I've seen us being proactive in the game other than reactive. And I thought that that's how we were kind of – the first three or four ball games, we were being reactive, mm-hmm. and and other than being proactive, let's take the fight to them. Not let's not sit and wait on Philly to do something. Let us do it and create what we've done here the last four years. And I think that's a good sign, you know. And that's the biggest thing that we got to keep doing from now yeah. on. Well, you get to uh, you get to go back to U.S. Bank Stadium and play a home game. It feels like um, you know forever <laughs> since we've been there, and the crowd's going to be ready to go because we're coming off a win. Yep. And we all know how much of an advantage that crowd is, you know, for those. Games. Yeah, it is. I mean, to me, I think crowd is great for defense. You know, offense yeah. may not too much like them, but but for defense, when, when you can make so much noise that they got a hand signal, yeah. that is huge for us. So Minnesota, come on out, have a great time, <laughs> be real loud so we can get that edge that you guys always provide us with. That's right. Can't wait to be there. Thanks for the chat, Jerry. It's a pleasure to uh, to work with you and to have you down here to chat with us. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for tonight's episode of Skull Stories. Remember, the Vikings have a game. It's on Sunday at noon at U.S. Bank Stadium against the Arizona Cardinals. Listen to the Vikings Radio Network, the best radio team in the business, hopefully calling another Vikings victory. Paul Allen, Pete Bursich, Ben Lieber, and Greg Coleman calling the action from U.S. Bank Stadium. The pregame show, hosted by my man, Mike Musman, that begins at 10 a.m. on the Vikings Radio Network. Also at 10 a.m., Our television pregame show airs on Fox 9. Vikings Game Day Live, hosted by Hobie Arteague with a cast of characters including Ron Johnson, Don Mitchell, Bursich, Lieber, PA, yours truly, and an interview with George Edwards right at the top. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.